I want to tell you about American financing. American financing can help you right now refinance your mortgage. It is going to become very difficult for you to get a mortgage, uh, for you to get a low interest mortgage. Uh, quite honestly, the way things are going with the news today about what the financial services are doing, it might be hard for you just to get a loan. You can save hundreds of dollars a month right now, maybe even over a thousand if you consolidate your high interest credit cards into a into your mortgage without resetting your mortgage. I want you to go to the family owned and operated American financing. They work for you at 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440. Make a 10 minute phone call just to see if they can help you. If you're paying three or 4% for your mortgage, you're paying too much. Americanfinancing.net, that's Americanfinancing.net, It's Wednesday, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the Great Reset and the Green New Deal, because the Green New Deal is coming. And if you deny it, if you are working against it, wrath is coming your way. Those who are not complying to what are called ESG standards, and that is environmental, uh, social justice, or governmental standards are going to find it hard to get loans as a business. It will be very difficult to do anything as a business, including get getting loans at a business. The banks are now targeting or discussing targeting anybody who's into fossil fuels, anybody that is as a huge footprint, unless you comply to these new ESG rules, you're not going to be able to do business. That's why the car companies are coming out with all of the, we're going to be all green by 2030, 2035. We're not going to have a combustion engine. Well, that's great, except, you know, the, the thing you plug it into, that's not a little magic energy box. Where's that energy coming from? Is this going to make any difference at all? Bjorn Lomborg is with us. He's an expert on this, the author of False Alarm, in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what it's uh, like in, in, your, uh, in your state right now, but in our state, it was 80 degrees yesterday. It was one last week. It, it, it's crazy in texas this is the way it always is it goes cold hot cold hot at this time it's always nuts that's not really the best for your car uh cold really does a lot of damage to your car and that's when most repairs really start to happen is at the end of seasons and during the snow and cold weather 
if you don't have a warranty left on your car, it can be a little white knuckle uh, as you're driving and you see that check engine light come on. I know I have a truck that I want to drive till the doors fall off on it. It's at our, our ranch and we use it all the time. It's our it's our go to vehicle. I don't want to buy a new one. It's paid for. Why would I buy a new one? It works fine. We had a chip go on it. It was, I think, six six thousand dollars. It was crazy. Luckily, it was covered by Car Shield because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have. When they said, "Yeah, it's six thousand dollars," and I was there to pick up the car, I was like, "I, I, I why didn't you call me? Six thousand dollars?" They said, "It's all covered with Car Shield." Okay, I'm glad you didn't call me. Let's get out of here before they figure out. I mean, it was it was amazing. You can drive with confidence if your car is protected with CarShield. Find out why CarShield cars go farther. Call 800-665-2157, 800-665-2157, or go to carshield.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll save an extra 10%. carshield.com. Deductible may apply. Bjorn Lomborg. He is the author of False Alarm, president of the Copenhagen Consensus Center and visiting fellow of the Hoover Institute. Uh, welcome, Bjorn. How are you? Hey, Glenn. It's good to be back. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm a little concerned, uh, you know, how uh, uh, things are starting to be censored here in America and things are, uh, you know, you're, you're, they're starting to call people with a different point of view, um, you know, dangerous radicals and uh, terrorists. Um, uh, and I, I, I wonder how far this is going to go. Uh, we just saw Amazon ban another book yesterday. They said they're going to start deleting all books they consider hate speech. I don't know if that's to kill a mockingbird, you know, or, or Mein Kampf or what. I just, I've never lived in a country where we ban books. And I wonder if you've thought of, I mean, this is not what I had you on for, but I wonder if you've ever thought of, you're an, you're an extremist. You don't buy into the answers and the solutions for climate change. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. So look, uh, my basic point is global warming is a real problem, uh, but it's often vastly exaggerated in impact and may, you know, a, a lot of the rhetoric around it make people panicky and it makes us make bad decisions. And that's what I'm really challenging. I, I've had a lot of people tell me they would love to see me deplatform. They'd love to not see my uh, uh, or hear my arguments being mm-hmm. uh, voiced uh, uh, clearly. Uh, but but I also think that most people recognize that's not the way to run a democracy. Uh, actually, uh, I think John Stuart Mill already, you know, like almost 200 years ago, uh-huh. uh, pointed out that listening to people whom you don't agree with is a good idea. Uh-huh. Partly, if you're right, they'll prove you right and they'll show you why you're right. And if you're wrong, of course, you actually want to find out that you're wrong. So listening to dissenting voices is a really good thing. It makes democracy stronger, and it's also likely it'll make your decisions better. But only if we are rooted in, you know, the, the scientific theory that, the, you know, show me the evidence and I'll respond to the evidence. We, we, hmm. we, we're, we're no longer doing that. There's, we're just going off of what people, you know, want everybody to believe. I believe in global warming. I can read a thermometer. 
what I don't believe in is a lot of the things that they say, for instance, the Green New Deal, or let's just take this first, electric cars. Well, that's wonderful. They're all electric. But where are we getting the power to charge them? Hmm. Am I wrong on thinking that way? (laughs) Well, well, you're certainly right in your intuition that we need a lot more than just getting cars to be electric. Because let's face it, uh, as long as they still power by coal power, uh, they will emit almost as much. Uh, remember, uh, electric cars use a lot of energy, typically in China and elsewhere, to where make. they're mostly produced with, with coal, to produce their batteries. Correct. And so once they get to you, you can feel all virtues and green and drive around and feel really you know, like, I'm doing something for global warming. But the reality is you've just emitted a lot of CO2 in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you have to drive your car you know, 40, 60,000 miles before it's actually free and you can actually start saving. Now, that depends a lot on how much of, of the power that you use come from fossil fuels. But you also need to decarbonize the whole electricity grid. And that turns out to be really, really hard. And so, again, we need to recognize that, sure, electric cars are you know, great for some purposes. If you, I, I have a friend who has a Tesla and I've been driving and I love it. You know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But first of all, it's incredibly expensive. So it's mostly fun for the upper classes. And secondly, it doesn't cut all that much CO2. Uh, so, you know, when, when Biden and many others are suggesting we should give subsidies in the tune of $7,500, maybe $10,000, you're basically paying an extraordinarily high price to cut a little bit of CO2. You could have spent that money much, much better either cutting carbon emissions or, remember, there's a lot of other problems that you want to fix both in the U.S. and around the world. So, again, this is a question about getting our priorities right. It's a question of getting a sense of what is the impact of what you try to do, not just feeling virtuous, but actually doing good. So, Bjorn, I, I, I put my trust in the free, not the corrupt capitalism that we have now, but in the actual free market to solve these things. And we're just not there yet. We are going to solve these things. But look at what happened to Texas. Now, it's not entirely because of, you know, we're cutting back and, and, and cutting back on, uh, you know, fuels that we uh, have grown to trust, uh, you know, and gone all to windmills. But it's partially because of that. And I have no problem. I, I own a farm. It's completely green energy. It's completely off the grid. It's solar and it's wind power. And it's backed up by natural gas if we have to. Um, I, I'm all for it. But A, only the rich can afford it. And B, in I've spent, I can't tell you how much money getting this to be stable. It's not ready yet for prime time. No, and, and, and certainly most people, I, I was actually very curious to hear that you have backup from, from gas, because most people, of course, just get the backup from the electricity grid, uh, which, of course, simply means that they get all the subsidies and they push on all the cost of, uh, of still driving the, the rest of the electricity system to typically the poor rate pairs. Uh, so, so in some sense, you're, you're absolutely right. Most of this is something that supports rich people a lot. And, and supports a lot of, uh, of uh, virtue signaling, but actually does fairly little to 
to cut carbon emissions. And you're right about the idea that what, what the Texas, uh, 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 the terrible incident in Texas last week, I think shows most clearly not, you know, was it windmills fault or was it the gas or the coal power fire plants or, or even the nuclear plant that, that dropped off for a while. It's much more a question of saying without stable power, you're really up creek. Yes. As a society, you need stable power. That's what makes us rich. If you go to many developing yes. countries, one of the things you see is they all have a diesel generator because they know they can't trust the power system. And that is one of the reasons why they're trapped in poverty, because you don't want to invest in a place where you don't have sustainable power. That's why we cannot imagine ourselves run just off of wind and solar, although People love to say that because what are you going to do when the sun is not shining and the wind is not blowing? And remember, people then, you know, sort of uh, facilely, I'm not sure whether that's an ad there, but, but, you know, they very easily say, oh, we'll just have batteries. Remember, you need a lot of batteries. Right now, the U.S. have batteries enough to support 14 seconds of U.S electricity consumption oh my gosh nowhere near being able to have that for hours days or even seasons i I will tell you they're wildly expensive uh they i mean you still have to replace those batteries over time uh and they don't hold as much as anybody thinks they do i mean it's you know i am on solar and i put it all into batteries but i'll tell you we go a week without sunshine we ain't using that I mean, we have these gigantic batteries. They're out. Yeah. They're there out. A, there's, there was a wonderful um, story uh, in, uh, in a little northeast uh, uh, Indian village. It was the first Indian village that went all uh, uh, solar, uh, supported by Greenpeace. Uh, and, you know, they got lots and lots of PR. Uh, and everybody was very excited in this village because they didn't have any electricity. Uh, so clearly uh, getting some solar electricity was better than nothing. Uh, but what happened when they turned it on was, of course, after two hours at night, yep. everybody had depleted it. Mm-hmm. So they had to start telling people, oh, you can't use this. You can't do that. And, oh, God, no, not a refrigerator. Uh, and you know, suddenly there's a lot of things you can't do. Mm-hmm. And then when the, uh, when the minister came to you know, uh, 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 inaugurate this whole project, uh, the villagers was actually protesting. They said they didn't want fake electricity they want real electricity and you know, wow. because he was democratically voted in uh they actually got uh, a new power line from the main grid mostly powered by coal uh in a couple of weeks uh and oh and the prices dropped by two-thirds uh and again you know this is not to discourage the fact that yes solar and wind have a space and they are sometimes really good you know in, in california if you have little if you have some solar, it can actually cut off the very top peak uh, usage uh, around noon when you need it for air conditioning. That's great. But don't believe that you can run an economy off of this. Back with Beyond Longberg uh, in just a minute. First, let me tell you about AMAC. When the time comes to choose the advocacy group that's right for you, where do you turn? A lot of options, uh, some of them good, some of them not so good. Let me tell you about one that I do believe in. Uh, it's AMAC. It stands for the Association of Mature American Citizens. And if it sounds like that might apply to you, then you need to take a little time and check them out today. It's AMAC, A-M-A-C. They represent courage, faith, reason, scientific thinking uh solvency in a time of runaway debt national security and sovereignty over unchecked borders freedom the 
the freedoms that are guaranteed under the Bill of Rights. Who's standing up for those things? AMAC. Membership comes with a wealth of benefits and discounts for you, but it also comes with a group of people that are standing up and fighting and want you in the fight as well uh, to be able to fight for these things that we all are supposed to believe in. I, I mean, I always thought we did, but apparently we don't. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join now at amac.us slash Beck. That's amac.us slash Beck. AMAC, it's better. Better for you, better for America. 10 seconds, station ID. We're with uh, Bjorn Lomborg, uh, the author of False Alarm, another book. I was telling you last hour, books that you should get uh, and and in print. False Alarm is one of those. I, I don't know if Bjorn is as concerned as I am, but I think that, you know, the, 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 anyone who is skeptical on the solutions or the Green New Deal or the Paris Accords are going to going to have some problems in the future yeah it really is a must read you, you need to have this book um let me uh bjorn if i could go back to something you wrote several years yeah. ago i refer to this often uh it's something you wrote in global policy uh, volume 7 issue 1 in 2016 about the paris accord and you talk about what would happen if the paris climate agreement was actually uh f- if everyone fully participated <clears throat> in it and everything went the way they said it would and no one broke any rules the, the impact of this, which has caused so much consternation here in the United States about whether we're going to be in it or not, is so minuscule. It, it seems almost yeah. impossible to, to imagine that it's caused this much uh, conversation. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And what we showed uh, in that article was that even if everyone did what everybody has promised, and this is the U.N.'s own estimate, the cuts by 2030 would be equivalent to reducing temperatures by the end of the century by less than 0.05 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my we would be able to measure the impact by the end of the century. Uh, and, and even if everyone continued, remember, we didn't do that with any of the other treaties, but even if everyone continued for the rest of the century, you would cut uh, temperatures by less than 0.3 degrees Fahrenheit by the oh end of the gosh. century. So a lot of people like to say, oh, this is the big solution. But the reality is Paris is just a literal small first step. It's a little bit like, you know, if you, if you decide you're going to go on <laughs> dieting uh, and you eat a salad and you sort of declare, oh, done that. Now I have a beach bod. Uh, <laughs> no, that's actually not how that works. Um, you but, need a lot more. And of course, that's what we're now coming up to realizing, oh, wait, if you actually want to fix this, you need a lot more and it's going to be a lot harder and a lot more expensive. OK, so that's the thing. John Kerry just said we have nine years. I'm, I'm tired of these. I mean, every we hit them always. Uh, but now is this is it. We only have nine years yeah. to fix this. A, is that true at all? No. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, the, the the best person for this is actually uh, the uh, uh, the uh, Prince Charles in uh, in um, in the UK. He's he's both predicted that we only had a hundred months uh, like ten years ago, and we had uh, I think six months uh, last year. He said we literally are are, 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 are have an hour left. 
you're just like, really? Uh, the, the, <laughs> wow. This comes from the idea that the UN and uh, uh, the UN Climate Panel was in 2018 asked to produce a report that shows what will it take to get to something that's almost impossible, namely less than two degrees centigrade. What will it take to do something almost impossible? Not surprisingly, they came back with a report that said you will have to do something almost impossible by 2030. That was interpreted by people to say this was 12 years ago, but uh, 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 12 years uh, from then uh, in 2018. So people just came out and said, we have 12 years to solve global warming. We have 12 years to save the planet. But the reality is, no, we have 12 years if we want to do something that's almost impossible, that nobody has argued is actually the best outcome. Uh, and, and in many ways, it's probably one of the most silly things to imagine that we could do uh, because it's going to be phenomenally expensive. And at the margin, it'll actually help very little extra. So I want to go into what uh, is being proposed now and what you see coming our way uh, and, and what society actually looks like if these things are uh, implemented. I want to do that here in, in just a second. But um, before we leave the Paris Accords, I, I read just last week, or maybe it was this week, that uh, China has built uh, three times more coal power plants than the rest of the world combined in the last year. And they yeah. said, don't worry, we're just we're we have to do this now, but we're going to be compliant and we're going to we're going to we'll hit all of our goals by 2050. I don't well, believe that. Well, actually, China is smarter than that, because China has promised that they are going to peak their emissions by 2030 and they're then going to get it down to zero in 2060. Now, if you're going to peak something, wouldn't you want to push it up as far up as you could? So in some sense, it makes a lot of sense to say we're going to build a lot of power plants and then we can peak at a really high level. This is not entirely true, wow. but this is roughly what, what they're doing. The other bit, uh, promising that they'll go to uh, net zero in 2060, I think was particularly clever uh, because it both means that they're going to do this after everyone else has done it. Mm -hmm. And it also means that they've shown goodwill. But remember, in their, uh, in their proposal for Paris, they actually not only proposed that they were going to go uh, net zero by 2060, they also... Oh, uh, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Oh, hang on just a second. We had to go to a network break. Uh, more with Beyond, Beyond Longberg, and we'll get the final on that and what America looks like uh, in just a couple of seconds. Let me tell you uh, about LifeLock. Right now, LifeLock, there's enough things that you have to worry about throughout the day without also having to constantly be concerned that somebody's going to try to steal all your information and identity online. We live now in a digital age, and the threats posed by cybercrime, it's not only real, but it's growing day by day. This is why you need LifeLock to act as a buffer between you and cybercriminals. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives, and every day we put our information at risk online. Cybercriminals finding new ways to steal our identities, especially with COVID. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, you have the best watchdog out there for you. 
Now, if you join right now, you'll save up to 25% off your first year at lifelock.com when you use the promo code BECK. So make sure you use the promo code BECK at checkout. It's lifelock.com. Save 25% promo code BECK. All right, go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You get 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Last week. Last week of that. Uh, more with Bjorn Lomborg on the other side. Coming up in uh, just about uh, 30 minutes, Jason Whitlock. He is uh, the uh, sports and uh, societal commentator and writer. He's brilliant. He's going to be on with us here in about 30 minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about Tiger Woods, but uh, more on what's happening in our society. Right now, we have uh, uh, Bjorn Lomberg, uh, who is uh, was one of our first guests, if not the first guest, that we had on our CNN special 15 years ago called Climate of Fear. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, something that they would never allow uh, on today. Uh, and he is a guy who, you know, we don't agree politically, I'm sure, on a lot of things, but we're at the same place, I think, where, okay, if this is real, what's the best thing to do? And things like the Green New Deal are not it. Uh, it, it's, 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 it seems to be about redistribution of wealth and power and control uh, more than climate change. And it will de- devastate the Western economies. And then you don't help anybody. Uh, Bjorn, tell me about the Green New Deal as proposed if it goes through and all of these, all of these deals that seemingly the left is ready to impose on the country. What do we look like when it's fully operational? this Death Star. <laughs> so so, so the, the Green New Deal is a lot of different things. And, and my speciality is, is looking at the climate part of this. So there's a lot of other uh, things involved in it. But certainly the Green New Deal just on the climate part is a very expensive bid to basically make sure that America becomes uh, uh, not dependent on fossil fuel, basically just carbon neutral by uh, 2050 or even before. Uh, Biden has promised to make the electricity grid uh, carbon neutral already by 2035. Is that possible? Is that even possible? Well, uh, the thing to remember, I think, is everything is in principle possible if you're willing to pay enough. Right. Uh, That's, of course, one of the beauties of, of a market economy. So you can simply pay up and then you will be able to get an almost carbon neutral uh, 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 energy grid. Uh, the thing to remember, and I, I think this is very helpful, uh, Bill Gates points out that if you want to think about this, if, if you can't live without fossil fuels, you can just simply suck out the CO2 from the atmosphere. We know what the price of that is. Uh, so you could pretty much make the whole world go carbon neutral for about 6 or 7% of global GDP. So if you just made everyone 6 or 7% core, you could probably solve this problem. Now, remember, most policies that try to achieve this will do this in a less effective way. So very often we'll end up seeing more costly outcomes. Uh, so uh, New Zealand 
one of these countries who've been promising to go carbon neutral by mid-century, uh, they've actually had the courage to ask their independent economic organizations to say, how much is this going to cost us? Not that it made them change their mind, but that organization came out and said, this is going to cost you at least 16% of your GDP by 2050. Oh my gosh. Not once, but every year. And if you screw it up, it might be a lot more than that. Oh, my Remember, gosh. 16% gosh. of GDP by 2050 for the U.S. is $5 trillion. So a year. I think there's two things you need to recognize when you talk about the future. You are going to pay a lot if you want to fix climate change the way that Green New Deal, and, and honestly, most people are arguing that we should fix climate change right now. You should also recognize that because the market economy is actually such a wonderful uh, engine, it is not going to bring us to the poor house. It'll simply make us less richer than we otherwise would have been. Well, they so say that but they they say that by uh, not fixing global warming, that it'll hurt the economy by you know X number of uh, dollars in GDP you know in the next fifty years. Is that is that true? By by not doing well, anything, we're poorer. So global warming is a problem. So and, and, you know, climate economists have spent about three decades looking at what are the costs of this. And they've come out and said, look, if you don't do anything by the 2070s, so when climate change is a little further ahead, the U.N. estimate the impact will be equivalent of making each one of us somewhere between 0.2 and 2 percent less well off. So at the worst case, it's 2 percent in 2070s. Remember, by then, we will be on average or across the world, this is again UN data, will be 364% as rich as we are today. But oh my because gosh. of global warming, we'll only be 356% as rich. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. No, it's not the end of the world. Right. And of course, the real problem is if you then try to solve a 2% problem by going 16% into debt, you're, you're basically you know, fixing a, a wrist ache by cutting off your arm. That's a really bad idea. Hmm. So That's how do we, you, you have been so uh, outspoken, you're so well-spoken, you have the facts, you have written many books, you are very well-respected, uh, and we seem to be going down the same panic road uh, every year, and it gets worse and worse and worse. What can we do to stop the hysteria and and actually get back to a table where you're talking about reasonable things. Yeah, I, I, and, and in some ways, in your question is built in the problem. It's really hard to fix this because, remember, politicians love to promise stuff that they don't have to pay, uh, which is why it's wonderful to talk about what you're going to do in 2050 when you're not only not going to be in politics, but possibly not even going to be around. Uh, so it's, it's wonderful for politicians to be able to say, you are going to die unless you elect me and let me save you from climate change. And likewise, most media loves to play up you know, one catastrophe after another. So this is a really hard thing to solve. We, are, we keep doing it wrongly, but you're absolutely right to say, so how do we solve this? Look, we solve it in the way that we have always solved problems through innovation. Remember back in the 1950s, uh, Los Angeles was a pretty damn uh, 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 polluted place, mm -hmm. uh, mostly from cars, 
uh, and, and its special geography. It was a terrible place. A lot of people were really, really worried. This was mostly from cars. And the simple sort of Green New Deal approach to this would be to say, let's get everyone to stop using cars. Let's get everyone to walk and bike instead. Of course, that would never fly. What actually did work was in 1974, a bright guy invented the catalytic converter. You plug it on, you pay $500 or thereabouts. And basically, voila, your emissions are much, much lower. You pollute maybe you know, 5 or 10% of what you uh, used to do. So now we have a situation, Los Angeles is much cleaner, even though people drive around a lot more. And you've done so through technology instead of telling people, I'm sorry, could you do less, which will never really work. That's what we need for climate change. We need innovation that will make green energy so cheap that not just you, know, you and your farm and rich, well-meaning Americans will substitute fossil fuels for green energy, but that also Chinese, Indians, the rest of South Asia, Africans, uh, Latin Americans will switch. This is what we've solved, how we've solved most, almost all problems in the world. If we invest a lot more in innovation, that is the way that we'll actually fix climate change and fix it cheaply. And also, of course, if we manage to make cheap green energy, it'll also unlock untold fortunes for the world's poor, uh, which actually is the main problem of solving global warming. It's not about getting Americans off uh, CO2 because you actually will emit fairly little of the emissions in the 21st century. Uh, Even John Kerry admitted as much. This is about getting the rest of the world to do this, and you only manage to do it it through innovation. So uh, let me ask uh, an additional question here about uh, green and clean energy. Uh, There is a a new uh, nuclear power plant, if you want to call it that, a very small device that is now being tested out uh, and can be used in in all kinds of areas, um, especially the poorest places in the world. It it doesn't have uh, meltdown capability, if you will, at least far as I understand it. A, have you heard about that? And B, why isn't the green movement all over nuclear energy? It can make hydrogen. I mean, it's it is. It's, it's nonstop. Yeah. So absolutely nuclear or, or uh, uh, fission uh, uh, should be one of the things that we look at. The reason so most most uh, green uh, people are not happy about uh, nuclear simply because it used to be really it used to be thought of as really dangerous. And, you know, they marched against it when they were young and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's not dangerous. Actually, nuclear power is probably one of the most safe uh, ways to produce electricity. But unfortunately, right now, partly because we have huge regulations on these, they're incredibly expensive. So right now, you will not be able to get the world on just nuclear power. But the the uh, the gizmo that you were talking about, I haven't heard of that, that particular one, but there's lots of development in what's known as fourth generation nuclear power, which is modularized, much safer, and they promise that it'll be much, much cheaper. If that happens, yes, that will be possibly the solution or certainly one of the solutions. My, my only concern here is 
we should also recognize that was what they told us about the other three generations of nuclear power, right? That'll be incredibly safe and incredibly cheap. Well, too cheap but honestly, kind of thing. But honestly, you know that that it is incredibly safe. It's only uh, it's yeah. only unsafe when you have corrupt governments like you know the former Soviet Union. Uh, building those things yeah. when you have sorry sorry my my point was not the the this safety it was the the cost part uh so yeah but we, the, the cost part though the is part. isn't the cost part due to the regulations that yeah. i mean some of those regulations are put there to make it impossible to afford to build a, a nuclear power plant there's there's certainly an argument to be made for that and i think there you know a, a reasonable part of the regulations are uh, are too onerous. On the other hand, I think you also just simply need to recognize there's no way you're ever going to make the argument. Oh, let's make nuclear power plants a little less safe. So no, the, the, no, no, is, <laughs> you no. need you need to get cheaper, safer, uh, uh, fourth generation nuclear. But the, but the whole point I think here is to recognize that there's lots of ideas. So nuclear could be one of them, obviously fusion. So, you know, the uh-huh. big idea that could, could, could be it. Uh, also recognize that there are lots of other ideas. Craig Venter, the guy who cracked the human genome back in 2000, he has this idea of, of distributing uh, algae that on the ocean surface that basically soaks up sunlight, CO2, and produces oil. So we could basically have a whole oil-based economy but CO2 neutral because they've just soaked up the uh, CO2 out on the, on the ocean surface. This is not by any means commercially available right now, but it's in principle possible. And it's one of these many, many ideas. So again, the idea here is if you invest in a lot of these ideas and that's how innovation works, most of them are going to fail. And that's okay because we just need a few of these to work. And those are the ideas that will power the 21st century. Bjorn Lomborg, thank you so much for being on. Uh, Stay well, and we hope to have you on again. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. Good uh, to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Uh, First, let me tell you that tonight's special is on green activism. It's been around for decades, but what used to be crazy has gone mainstream in Washington. Uh, It's the holy anointing of, quote, science. You have to believe the science. You cannot question the science. What has changed now is the relentless preaching on climate change. It's deep penetration in government and business. It is these new ESG rules, which you will understand, spearheaded by the World Economic Forum. The Great Reset has a new oligarchy of billionaires United with governments and corporations to make market socialism as the ultimate solution to apocalyptic climate change. We are going to take you through it. The chalkboard plays a big role in tonight's special Wednesday night special only on Blaze TV. If you're not a member, we urge you to join us now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Make sure you use the promo code Glenn. This is the last week to save 30% on your subscription. All right, slowly but surely, things are getting back to normal here in Texas. I mean, it was 80 yesterday. It was 80. No matter how you slice it, no matter what side of the aisle you're judging this from, the truth of the matter is we were not prepared for this kind of disaster. So what kind of disaster in your area are you not prepared for? It's easy enough to ignore these things after they hit, uh, until after they hit. Uh, We just don't. We don't think of them, but I don't think you're that kind of person. 
I urge you now to check out my Patriot Supply. Their food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage. You're never going to have to go hungry or stand in a government food line. My Patriot Supply, America's leader in emergency food storage, should secure a four-week, three-month, or even a one-year emergency food kit. They'll all provide 2,000 calories a day. Uh, it's all fun and games until somebody puts an eye out. So before that happens, go to My Patriot Supply. Get the food storage you need before you need it. Food kits, uh, kits uh, ship in one to two days. They arrive discreetly at your door, so don't wait. Prepare now. MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we'll continue our conversation on the Green New Deal and what it really means tonight at 9 p.m. And also, I'd like to go into some stuff that Bjorn talked about <clears throat> with you uh, on the Stu show right before. Uh, Stu my, Does America? Yeah. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, you've been bumped for today, though. Uh, I've been bumped? Yeah, yeah until tomorrow. Name? Yeah, we got a bigger name. Actually, a guy I met at 7-Eleven yesterday who was buying corn chips, a new kind of corn chips. He's going to come on and talk about them. Uh, so you've been bumped till I've tomorrow. Until uh, tomorrow sorry. for that guy. So sorry. And if we have time for you tomorrow. I'm yeah. not sure we'll have time tomorrow, but wow. if we have time tomorrow, we'll do that. Really? This guy, though, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't really have a particularly dynamic opinion about the corn <laughs> chips, but he did buy them. And I just thought it would be Good. Okay. You know, All right. better well, than okay. having It's going to be a on, riveting... Stu does corn chips, I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tonight on The Blaze prior to my program. This is the Glenn Beck Program.